This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Have you ever been going through YouTube or maybe a podcast like this or blogs, collecting a bunch of jazz lessons, just learning a bunch of different concepts, working on them, going to the next thing, into the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And then before you know it, it, you're not really quite sure what you've been learning, what you've been doing, what direction you're going in. Uh, You just kind of feel overwhelmed. Uh, Or maybe here's a different scenario. Maybe uh, you learn a tune one week and then you learn another tune the next week and you learn a solo for that tune and then so you keep learning a bunch of things really quickly maybe you're reading it off a piece of sheet music so you're just kind of blowing through it and you're thinking to yourself i'm doing all the right things like this is what everybody tells me to do but it's just a lot of stuff right so you don't really get a lot out of each one well i don't know about you i've definitely felt like this before i'm sure that you can relate to this as well and my message in today's podcast episode is less is more so today we're going to learn about what we should be doing and some different methods for applying the less is more strategy. All right, let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Thank you for being here. Always excited to share some more information with you for how to become a better jazz musician. And like I said in the intro, the message of today's podcast episode is less is more. When we're learning jazz, less is more. Like how do we reduce the overwhelm while still skyrocketing our jazz skills? How do we take a bunch of different things that we think we should be working on, condense them into just a few things we should be working on. And then after we've done that, what are the processes we need to start putting in place or what are some ways that we can apply the less is more strategy? So we're going to be talking about that. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what, what should we be practicing as jazz musicians to get the biggest bang for our buck? And number two, what we're going to talk about after we rolled the the transition music is three different ways to apply the less is more strategy, three different ways. Okay. We're going to talk about that. Now, the first thing is the what, and let's just talk about that right now. Now, have you ever heard of the Pareto principle before? It's uh, sometimes better known as the 80-20 rule. And what the Pareto principle says is it states that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So I'll say that again. Uh, for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So um, one great example of that would be uh, in uh, in the economics, which is, this is originally what the Pareto principle is based off of. So that approximately 80% of Italy's land was owned by 20% of the population, okay? Um, another one would be uh, approximately 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of the customers, 
Okay, so you're getting there. Now, if we were to apply this to jazz, uh, approximately 80% of improvements are by 20% of the things that we actually work on. So in other words, we're working on a lot of things, but it's likely that only 20% or so are actually giving us the biggest improvement in our jazz playing. Now, it's not always universal, like everybody learns a different way, so we're not ruling that out. However, uh, I do have certain things that I believe if all jazz musicians are working on them, and some of you will be familiar with these already, you're going to get a lot more mileage out of them. Now, keep in mind the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, it's not a law, it's more of uh, observation, right? So it's not exactly 20%, it's not exactly 80%, those can vary. But the idea is that there is truth in the fact that of the things that we do, 20% are having the most effect, right? Or a certain percentage, and it's usually a smaller percentage, have the most effect, all right? So that's why this is important. And we waste so much time feeling overwhelmed by there's so much to learn. I don't know what to do. Jazz is hard. I'm not sure how to improvise all these things. And we worry about it. We get worked up. We don't know what to do. You know, we, we maybe even quit, or we, you know, put our instrument away because we'll never get good enough. We'll never, right? We get overwhelmed. We need to break things down and make it smaller, more digestible for ourselves. Okay. So first, what do we work on? Okay. What do we work on? Now, uh, many of you will be familiar with what I call my big three, or I also have later called them the three pillars of jazz improvisation. No, that is number one, technique. We all need to be working on a little bit of technique on our instruments, whether it's instrument-specific stuff, like if you're a trombone, uh, trombone, yeah, trombone, or a trumpet player, long tones. Um, if you're a guitar player, fretboard mastery, like things like this specific to your instrument. And then there's also jazz improv stuff like playing patterns, things to help give you more dexterity and movement intervolically and melodically, right? So there's technique. We always should have a little bucket of technique happening. And the other bucket, the second one is jazz repertoire. We need to be learning jazz standards, working on those things, right? If we're always learning more jazz standards, we're going to be learning all the new lessons. We're going to be getting more familiar with improvising over one standard, which means we're more uh, familiar with improvising over hundreds more, right? That's how it works. And then the last bucket is jazz language. So learning actual language, not necessarily um, learning scales and all that stuff. That's more in the technique bucket. But you know, maybe learning solos or licks or transposing things or composing your own solos, the, that's the jazz language bucket. So if we are always using these three pillars of jazz improvisation in our practicing, then we're going to have success. And I mean that. Like If you actually do practice those things, you're going to have some amount of success in your jazz improvisation. So that already just kind of narrows things down to three topics. Now, um, it is not lost on me that that is still a lot of things. If you, you start saying, well, Brent, uh, you know, there's a billion things with technique that I don't have down right now. I need to practice. Well, Brent, there's hundreds of jazz standards. Well, Brent, uh, you know, just for me to get through one bar of a solo will take me ages, right? So there's all these things I can already hear some of you saying um, that is like, well, that's not less. I mean, that's just you're just taking everything and putting it into three different categories. Yes and no, right? Yes and no. So part of this is we need to mentally break things down into smaller buckets. So there's three and there's a million other things we're getting distracted by. So just stick with those three and make those a part of your regular habits. But now 
we need to transition and start figuring out what exactly should we be doing you know, to apply the less is more strategy. So I'm going to go over three different uh, ways that we can apply this in our actual practicing. But before we get to that, this podcast is sponsored by Audible. No, I'm just kidding. It's not sponsored by Audible.com. It's not sponsored by anybody because I don't run ads at all. I like to self-sponsor by recommending my own things that I think will help you actually improve your jazz playing. So many of you are aware by now, um, and and this will this this ties together with today's episode. All right. So just just so you know where I'm coming from with this, this uh, this podcast is officially sponsored by my new. LJS Inner Circle membership, which is launching on Sunday, May 31st. Now, I'm really excited about this membership. We've had some founding members going through it and are loving it. It's really becoming a great jazz family, and I want to invite you into that jazz family. So uh, it's it's a membership uh, that uh, includes a jazz standards study every single month. We call it our jazz standards club. So a new jazz standard study to work on, uh, tutorial video, uh, resources, etude, the whole nine yards. And then we have access to all of our courses that we've ever had on Learn Jazz Standards. You name it, 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing, Jazz Blues Accelerator, any of the eBooks and companion courses, they're all included, as well as brand new 101 Basics courses, which so far my founding members are like, yeah, more of these, please, which we will be coming out with them more frequently. Uh, and as well as... Um, as well as a great community forum and uh, practice groups for everything. Like people are posting their work. People are uh, recording videos. If you're in one of my, ever been in one of my courses before, we have that, but it's basically like amped up even more. We have community forum. It's really awesome. It's really, that. that's all I'm going to say. It's really great. I love to you to be a part of it on Sunday, May 31st, when we officially publicly launch the LGS Inner Circle. So if you want to do that, and learn more about that, sign up for a VIP waiting list. Go to ljsinnercircle.com. Now, for those of you who are good with dates and you're listening to this in real time, that's actually this upcoming Sunday, right? This upcoming Sunday. So I want you to be on board. So check that out, ljsinnercircle.com. And you can be sure uh, that if you're on my mailing list, you'll be hearing uh, a little bit about this as well. All right, let's jump into those three ways to apply the less is more strategy. All right, so less is more. How do we break things down? And how do we start choosing what we're going to work on, what we're not going to work on? So um, let's go over number one, way number one, and that is the single project way. Number one is the single project way. Now, um, some of us, when we hear... And what is a single project way? It's, it's only working on one thing, just one thing over an extended period of time. That's important to say, working on one thing over an extended period of time. Now, for some people, when they hear this, this uh, either will give you relief. So you'll be like, oh, wow, really? Brent's giving me permission that I only have to work on one thing. And then others are, are getting anxious. They're like, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I should work on just one thing. That I, I don't believe I could possibly get a lot out of just working one thing. Maybe I'll get left behind or so, something like this, right? Like, So it's either evoking one of those uh, emotions for you. You're, you're feeling relieved or you're feeling like anxious to hear this. So why is working on just one thing at a time helpful? So 
For someone who doesn't have a ton of practice time, or for someone who gets too easily distracted, or for someone who maybe is a little bit more on the beginner side of things, not that you have to be a beginner, you could easily be an advanced player, and this is a great way to go, this could be a good choice, right? Because when you're only working on one thing at a time, you don't have to worry about all the other things in the background. So this is where... Maybe instead of maybe instead of you know working on a bunch of technique, you'll only be working on a little bit of technique. Or instead of working on a solo, maybe you'll just work, be working on a little bit of that, but you're really focusing on one main project, okay? So one great idea for this would be learn one jazz standard, and let's just say in a month. Now, it could be less. It could be like two weeks. It could be more than that. It could be two months. So let's just say that all you're going to do is learn one jazz standard. And again, either that's giving you a lot of relief right now, hearing that that's all I have to do, and Brent's giving me permission. That's awesome. Or it's causing you anxiety because you're like, I, I don't. how am I going to improve fast enough just learning one jazz standard? But hear me out here. If you're learning just one jazz standard in a month per se, and you really work on a lot of different aspects of that tune, and you really space out all of that, then it's really, 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 really going to be helpful for you, and you're going to be really working on a lot of different concepts, even just working on that one jazz standard, okay? So how would we do this? How would we go about working on one project? And again, I'm using a jazz standard as an example. You could fill in the blank with something else. Maybe it's one jazz solo. Maybe it's um, uh, so, you know, maybe you're a guitar player and you're trying to work out your fretboard. So you have a bunch of different, you know, projects that are just really associated with like I want to learn all my first inversions. Whatever it happens to be piano players, you know, same thing. So let's just say you have that one jazz standard. What are some different things that you can work on? So first of all, you got to learn the melody of the jazz standard. Okay, so that's one aspect. Second, you've got to learn the chord changes of that jazz standard. Okay, so once you've done that, you, you kind of know the tune, right? You're able to play the, the jazz standard, you know, essentially. But you're not really able to improvise over it yet. So maybe what you'll start doing is you'll start working on some technique with that jazz standard next. So after you've gone the melody, after you learn the chords, then you'll go ahead and maybe work on some uh, mapping exercises. Like these are what, like what I like to call chord tone maps. And last week we went over a scale map, right, on the podcast. So certain things like this, where it's not necessarily music yet, but it's kind of getting the technique going and kind of mapping out note choices. You know, all this sort of stuff that's going to set us up for success. So it's kind of doing that dirty work that we should do in order to set us up for success, right? So already so far we've worked on repertoire. And then we've worked on technique, right? The technique was doing the mapping exercises, which core tones, playing arpeggios, guide tones, playing the thirds and the sevenths. And then we could, do, we could do scales as well, like a scale map, okay? So that's one little bucket. Okay, the last thing we would do maybe is learn some language over top of that standard. Now, this could be a multitude of different things. It could be you, you'd learn a lick over a 2 5 one chord progression because the tune has... Lots of two five one chord progressions. 
Well, that's going to get you a lot of mileage because lots of jazz standards have 251 chord progressions. So maybe you just learn that lick and maybe that's all you do, but maybe you decide you want to go a step further and you want to take that lick into some different keys as well. So you feel comfortable, not just playing it in the key of concert B flat, right? But you feel comfortable playing it in E flat and C or G or F, some of those more common keys, right? So that could be helpful for you. Or what you could do is you could learn uh, one chorus of a solo by ear. Now, that might be too much for a lot of people, but maybe that's what you do, right? You find um, your Freddie Hubbard, your Miles Davis, or your Sonny Rollins, or your Wes Montgomery, and you go, all right, I like what this person did. I'm going to learn this solo, right? So the the other thing you could do is an etude. So having an etude composed for you is always, always a great idea because an etude is always something that specifically is designed to help you navigate a piece of music. So etudes, um, and certainly the ones that I compose or that I have people compose for me, are ones that are very specific in helping people achieve outlining chord changes, right? So maybe these are the things you do. Now, already you might be going, oh man, that is Brent. You just listed a lot of things. But hear me out again. This is why we do one project over a single a longer extended period of time. So I said, learn one jazz standard in a month. Now, um, there are many aggressive things you could do, but at the very basic level, you learn the melody and you learn the chord changes. You could probably do that in a week, right? You learn the, uh, you work on mapping exercises. You could maybe do that in, you know, one or two weeks, right? You could just work on those things. Maybe the last week or two weeks, you work on an etude over that standard. Now you're done. For that month, you've learned that jazz standard. You've learned a bunch of lessons. You feel more comfortable navigating it. No, you've not mastered it. No, you cannot just automatically go and start blowing the best jazz solos in your entire life. But guess what? You got a lot of mileage out of that one jazz standard in just one month. That's powerful stuff. Now you can move on to another one. All right. We actually do something similar like this in our inner circle membership. We have the Jazz Standards Club where we do exactly this. There's one jazz standard we study during the month and there's a lot more to it, right? And there's different practice itineraries I give out for, you know, how much practice time you have to work on something, right? But this idea I already see is helping a lot of people by just going, "All right, well, I don't have to be working on all this other stuff. I just need to focus on this one jazz standard." Okay, so this is the single project, a concept of the less is more approach. Like there's still different components in there, but it's boiled down. And maybe all you're doing is learning the melody and the chord changes. And that's okay too. Maybe you just learn one lick. Maybe that's okay too, right? But you're still committing to something. You're still committing to practice that. And you're committing to getting as most as you can out of that material. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's number one, the single project method. Now, number two is the batching method. Now, I've kind of alluded to this. I've kind of alluded to this a little bit uh, in the single project method where I said, well, maybe one week you do this and maybe the next week you do this and the next week you do this. That's kind of a loose uh, batching process. But what batching is, is batching is where... You take something big, you take a big project, and you break it down into smaller pieces. Those of you who are familiar with my 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing course know that 
Um, what I do is we have a master goal. That's like kind of the goals at the end of the course. We have project goals. So these are, I believe in the course, four project goals to reach our master goal. And in the project goals, we have um, mini goals. So those are more like the daily practice goals or you know smaller smaller sets of goals to break everything down. A great example of batching is if you're learning a jazz solo. So let's say you're trying to learn a chorus, a 32-bar uh, chorus of a jazz solo in one month, right? And that's your project and you want to work on that. So one thing that a lot of people will do is they'll try to learn it as fast as possible. Now, this is a big mistake. You know, you don't want to just learn it as fast as possible. Are you really going to retain that solo that well? Probably not. Are you going to spend enough time working on that solo to, you know, start getting your own ideas? Maybe not, right? Because you'll just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing without really spending lots of time digesting it. So the best way to do this is you start by learning four bars or one phrase in one practice session. Now, again, this could be evoking either two sets of emotions. It could be one, you're feeling super relieved that Brent is giving you permission to only learn one little phrase, you know, four bar phrase of a jazz solo in one practice day. And then he's saying, well, that's a good day's work. Like that could give you a lot of relief. Like, wow, you mean if I, if I do that, then that's good enough. I'm saying, yes, it is. Now on the other side, you could be getting anxious and going, uh, Brent, I don't see how this is like great practice, right? Like, I mean, I need to learn more of the solo. Like, what if I want to learn more of the solo? What if, you know, there's so much more I can do and, you know, I, 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 you know, I can't do that, right? So it could be doing one of two things for you, but uh, hear me out on this. So the first day you work on just that first phrase. Now, maybe you want to practice the next day. If let's say you have time to practice the very next day, the next day you review that first set of bars, that four bars or the first phrase, and then you learn the next phrase. Okay, fantastic. Then maybe the third day, let's just, and this is in theory that you have every day to practice, right? That's not realistic. But on the third day, you do the same thing. You go, okay, what would I, okay, that's right. You review the last two phrases and then you learn the next phrase. Now on the fourth day, you might go, well, I learned a lot of information already. Let's maybe review. And you review all of that information, right? You go, all right, let's review the first three phrases and play along with the recording. Now, think about how many times you've done this by now. You've really spent a lot of time on each phrase. And for those of us who have a hard time hearing music by ear, this is how you do it. You just start in little bits and pieces, right? You can use slow downers, whatever you need, but you just start with little bits and pieces of information. And by the time you're done that 32-bar solo at the end of the month, and you've planned it out that way by batching everything together, you're going to feel like, wow, this is way easier now. Whereas before, you thought it was overwhelming because you're doing it all at once. Or whereas before, you may have been good at hearing stuff by ear, and you were just learning a whole solo in like three days or two days or one day, and then moving on to the next thing, but you didn't really get a lot out of it. You just kind of did it, right? This can happen too when people read off of sheet music. I mean, you can if you're a good reader, you could read an etude or a solo in, you know, one sitting. And you could say, "Sweet, I just did it," and then move on to the next thing. But all you really did was exercise your reading skills. You just got better at reading, which is a good thing to do, but it's not really helpful for us when we're trying to become good jazz improvisers, right? 
So by using the batching method, we're enforcing repetition. We're taking away the overwhelm of having to do so much at once, yet we're still going to reach a goal like one of the three pillars, jazz language in this case, that's going to help us out. Now, in the same way, you can apply batching, like I said, to the single project method where, yes, you're going to learn this jazz standard and you have these other things attached to that. So the first day might be, I learned the first A section of the melody. The second day might be, I learned the B section of the melody. The third day might be, I learned everything, right? I got the whole melody down. The fourth day and the fifth day and the sixth day might be, I'm just trying to learn the chord changes and try to get it by ear first and cross-referencing with, a, with a, a chord chart, right? So this is, see where my brain's going? We're batching things together. Instead of being like, I need to learn the entire melody today, we're going, let's learn this piece of the melody today. Let's learn the next piece of the melody today. And that's a good day's work. And when I say that, I mean it. That's a good day's work. You learn something, you got more experience on your instrument, you are more, you're closer to playing a jazz standard, a new jazz standard, which as we know, the more jazz standards we learn, the better we're going to get. That's just a fact. Then, you know, that's a good day's work. So you can feel good about that. And you don't have to feel guilty for not practicing more because you have done enough. And you're probably going to, at the end of the month of working on that jazz standard or that jazz solo, you're going to feel like you've accomplished more than likely you have been before just jumping from one thing to the next and not spending very much time, right? This is why more is not always better, right? Less is is oftentimes better. I mean, that's what the whole podcast episode is about. Less is more, right? Okay, so that's number two, batching. And you see how those two go hand in hand. So number one was the was the uh, single project method. And then number two is batching method. Now, number three, here's a little bit of context for you. Um, maybe you're listening so far, and it's certainly some members of my inner circle have, you know, reached out to me and said, Brent, man, everything's looking so good in here. Like, I'm really excited to ju- jump into the Jazz Standards Club. I'm really excited to start 30 Steps to Better Jazz playing, but I also saw one of the 101 courses, and also someone mentioned something in the, co- in the community, and that was really exciting. I'm thinking about trying that out, but I already know you're teaching, and I know that you would tell me uh, you need to just focus on a few things at a time or one thing at a time. What should I do? Okay. But I, but you know, I, I want to do these other things. So this is where I like to have the one big, one small method. Okay. The one big, one small method. What I'll always suggest to these people, to these students is I'll say, work on one big project, like one big thing. So in the context of like my membership, that's like a course, like work on a course because my courses are practice programs, right? Or maybe, you know, for, for those of you listening who aren't involved in any of that, that's that's fine. Maybe yours is, again, just learning the jazz standard. Like that's your big thing for the month. I'm just going to learn this jazz standard. So that's your big project. But maybe there's a few things on the side that you want to do too. And you want to be making progress on those things. You don't want to feel like, you know, there's too many rules in place, right? Everybody hates rules, right? Especially musicians, right? We, we, we love to break rules. So you don't want to feel confined or restricted. We're free birds, right? So this is where you can say, all right, well, I still want to apply the 80-20 rule, work on this one project and get the most as I can out of this project. But I also, you know, am really interested in a little bit of ear training. Like I know that actually if my ears were a little bit better, I could probably pick up melodies a little bit more. And so this is where maybe your small 
is I'm going to spend a little bit of time every day or my practice sessions working on just a tiny bit of your training. Not a lot, but just enough to feel like, yeah, sweet. I just, I got a little bit better at my ear training. You know, maybe I could hear intervals better or, you know, maybe I was able to associate a note with a chord, you know, and we call this functional ear training when you, know, you, 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 you hear a note in the context of the chord and know what chord tone it is or what extension it is, right? That's kind of, well, that's more of advanced ear training. So maybe you're just thinking, you know, if I could hear my intervals better, if I could recognize what a seventh chord sounds like versus a dominant seventh chord, you know, so these little things that you could be working on on the side, or maybe let's say you're a little bit savvier, you don't get overwhelmed by learning a new standard. So maybe you're working on um, a whole practice program you set up for yourself, right? But then you're like, hey, you know what? There's this jazz standard at the jam session, although right now we're not doing jam sessions because of uh, quarantine and the like. But maybe there's this, jam, this, this song at a jam session you heard recently, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I know I need to learn this jazz standard and because I want to play this song at the jam with everybody next week. Okay, well, that's your small, right? Maybe you're not going to spend as much time working on that jazz standard because your priority is on your big project. That's the thing that you really know is going to help you out. So then you just look at that other jazz standard and go, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of this on the side. I'm going to spend a little time learning the melody, learning the chord changes, spending a little bit of time improvising over it, getting comfortable so I can get up there at the jam session and practice it on the stage, which is the great way. It was a great way to practice, right? By actually doing it. So that's your small. So this is the one big, one small method. Now, where people get tripped up, and the reason it's one big, one small, and not one big, three small, (laughs) or two big, two small, is because then you're doing too much. Then you're spreading yourself thin. Then you're getting back to the overwhelm, right? You're looking up on one day, and you see Brent on YouTube said, you know, work on um, the big three. And then you go to uh, Jens Larsen, if you're a guitar player, and he's saying, check out all these cool new voicings. Or, you know, you go to uh, um, Rick Beato, and he's telling something about some crazy music theory thing that you want to try out. And before you know it, you're going crazy. You're, you're spread thin. Um, and, and we don't want that. So that's why we need to focus on the one big, one small versus one big, two small. Now, could you do the one big, two small? If anything, that's where I would be like, okay, you can do the one big, two small, right? Because may- maybe maybe you have enough time to practice where that's appropriate. Like everybody has different amounts of time to practice. But I, I it's, it's more of a guideline to do one big, one small because that way... You're still you're you're reining things in. You're keeping it. You're you're keeping things from getting crazy and unfocused and from topic jumping, which we don't want to do. We want to be making real progress in our jazz playing. That is the most important thing. And you will have funner playing jazz if you're just not always getting lost. I hear so many times from people that they just feel like they're not making any progress. And when I ask them what they're doing, they give me a laundry list of things that they're doing, thinking that that was the right answer. It's the wrong answer. The right answer is no. Work on this one thing that's going to really help you improve. Have I driven this message this message home today? I hope I have. And so what's your call to action today? How do I want you to take action? I want you to inventory all the things that you're working on in your jazz playing right now. What I want you to do is using the three pillars, technique, jazz repertoire, and jazz language, I want you to categorize each one of those things. After you've done that, I want you to decide what the most important thing, the 
of things that you're going to do that are going to have the biggest effect. So what is that one thing? Or what are those two things? I want you to identify them. Then I want you to commit. I want you to commit to working on those things. Then I want you to think about the batching method. How can I break all this into smaller pieces, right? And then I want you to know yourself. If you're feeling tempted to learn a ton of new things after you've already done what you set out to do in the day, you know, just ask yourself the question, do I need to be doing more or is it just because my gut tells me this is not good enough? That's That's an important thing, right? If you're having fun, that's one thing. But if you're just doing it to do more, that's a totally different thing right there, right? Okay, so create that list, decide, and make a real plan. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Do appreciate it. Hope that you take action on today's episode. Hope you found this valuable. Uh, again, it's been a real honor and a pleasure to uh, to have you listen today and to take up some of your valuable time to listen to this podcast episode. So I hope that you found it really helpful. Um, like I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, my new membership, the LGS Inner Circle, is launching officially to the public this Sunday. This Sunday, Sunday, May 31st. And I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to have you join the really beautiful jazz family that we've got going on there. It's re- and when I say beautiful, and I, I mean that because it's really an amazing thing. We have uh, musicians from all over Europe, from Australia, from Asia, from South America, from different parts of the United States, from Canada, all over the world, there are people playing saxophone and guitar and piano and harmonica and melodica and doing vocals and uh, did I miss any trumpet trombone? Um, there, there, there's so many different musicians playing all kinds of things, you know, engaging with each other and taking courses together, doing the jazz standards club studies together. It's really fun. It's really a lot of fun. It's a great jazz family that we're really building there right now with our founding members. And now we're opening it up to the public, to, to everybody else this Sunday. So I'd love to have you be a part of that. If you're on my mailing list, you'll get an email. But if you're not um, and you want to be on a wait list, um, and actually, if you join the wait list, you can get in a day early on the 30th. And that's uh, go to lgsinnercircle.com. Uh, and if you're listening to this past that time, lgsinnercircle.com will get you right where you can uh, sign up for the membership. So I hope you do join me this Sunday for that. I'm pretty excited about the whole thing. I'm going to be doing a special episode um, next Monday where I'm kind of outlining uh, a, a, th- a three-part video series free training that I've come up with, which a lot of people on my mailing list will be familiar with it by the time it comes out. But um, it's a really great episode that I think is going to be helpful for everybody with learning jazz standards really well. Um, and it'll be kind of like a celebration episode for uh, the new membership. Um, so again, lgsinnercircle.com. And I uh, hope you have a good week. hope you have a great time practicing. hope you have a lot of progress in your practicing this week. And as always, I look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers, keep safe, and happy practicing. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and 
Don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.